Hello and welcome to another episode of ESPN Trick Info's Stump Mike podcast, uh, which comes to you mostly from Pochestroom in South Africa this time. I am uh, Shreena Tripath and I am in the company of uh, two globally recognizable names in the cricketing world. Uh, Ian Bishop, uh, former West Indies fast bowler and now a uh, widely respected broadcaster. Ian, uh, welcome back on Stump Mike. Thank you very much for having me. Likewise, pleasure to have you with us. Also with us is a guest uh, we've long sought to have on our show. Pleasure to welcome uh, Tom Moody, one of the most sought-after coaches in the game and uh, currently working as a commentator at the Under-19 World Cup. Hi, Tom. Great to have you with us. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, Shresh Shah, a correspondent at the World Cup, is also with us, uh, making his Stump Mike debut. Hey, Shresh, how's it going? Good. Pretty wet conditions here, but um, enjoying the tournament so far. Superb. It's been uh, quite a World Cup so far, uh, as these tournaments always tend to produce new talent and bring them to the fore uh, for the first time. Um, Ian, let's start with you. Uh, you've been at quite a few of these uh, Under-19 World Cups. So just looking ahead to the semi-finals, three out of four teams, which is uh, India, Pakistan and Bangladesh are from the subcontinent and they've joined uh, New Zealand at the last four stages. What has stood, stood out for you from among uh, these sides? Uh, uh, one thing that tends to get noticed back here in India is uh, something like the spin bowling strengths, but uh, what has stood out for you? For me specifically, when I look at India, obviously they're a team with some mature players, but seam bowling of Tiagi, I thought, was something that I found very interesting pace, control, swing. Um, for Bangladesh, I saw a couple... Of, I haven't done a game of theirs, but just watching them on television, they have a good young opening batsman. Well, they're all young, aren't they? In Tamim, um, he looks to shape up very well. Their left-arm Cena also looks uh, a really good prospect as well. And Pakistan were impressive. Um, Herrera... Their young batsman who made his debut looks to have a temperament that is very solid. Um, he plays in straight lines. Haider, another one of their batsmen who's played a lot of first-class cricket. Um, their captain as well. And they've got two fast bowlers. Amir Khan, I think, is one name. Although he has a lot of refining to do. And Tahir, their other left-arm seamer. So... Really, the seam bowling, first and foremost for me, a lot of people will jump on the spin, but I think you expect the spin bowling and a couple of really good batsmen from the subcontinent. Hmm. Interesting to see uh, how a team like India and their seam bowling stocks have changed in uh, recent times. Tom, uh, again, very similar question to you. You've been at a lot of Under-19 World Cups over the years as a broadcaster uh, What's the biggest change? What's the thing that's kind of stood out for you uh, at this level in recent times over the 2010s and the last few editions of the tournament? Have, are you seeing, are we seeing a higher quality of cricket at even an age like 17, 18, 19, which most of these guys are? Yeah, look, I think uh, without a doubt, I think what we've seen is um, a greater focus, uh, particularly for the Asian teams for this tournament. If you look at the number of games that uh, all of the Asian teams, you know, India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Pakistan have played between World Cups, it's it's an enormous number. It's in the 30s games played. Um, and interesting enough, uh, somewhere like uh, Australia and New Zealand have played probably a fifth of the amount of games at that under-19 level. So different... Uh, focuses for different uh, countries with regards to the development process. But 
I think the Asian teams, uh, given they've had the the volume of cricket together as a as a playing unit, uh, gives them a distinct advantage um, in their preparation for a tournament like this because they've played uh, with each other for long periods of time. They've been in and out of each other's pockets, understanding each other's games and uh, getting to know them personally. Um, there's no doubt there's uh, an improvement of standard, and I think um, that is largely because uh, you know the attention and focus on this tournament is greater than it's ever been. So players see it as a, uh, not only an opportunity for them to, to, to develop themselves personally as young cricketers, but it's also a shop window for a lot of these players, uh, you know, especially for the Indian players with IPL. Our opportunities, um, you know, a, a standout performance in an under-19 tournament goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. Uh, the other question that I had for you uh, is uh, seeing the IPL auction, for instance. A lot of these youngsters tend to get picked up because, you know, they are uh, not quite household names, but there are scouts everywhere, as you would very well know as a T20 coach. Have the T20 leagues changed any of this talent developing and moulding in recent times? I know you kind of travel the world coaching T20 teams. How is it around the world, especially outside Asia, in a country, uh, uh, in, in a region like the Caribbean? I'll come to Ian as well on that. Yeah, I think I think it's more relevant for the Indian players than any other players um, because every franchise in the IPL are trying to get a jump on each other with regards to getting the next Virat Kohli or Kale Rahul, or Rohit Sharma, or uh, Jasper Bumrah, whoever it might be. If they can, through their scouting and, and through their observations at, 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 at this level, make a judgment call that it's worth... I don't like using the word gamble because it's not really a gamble. It's creating an opportunity for these young players to quickly uh, rise to start and well... They, they are prepared to take that um, uh, risk at an auction. But interesting enough, a lot of it also depends on the cycle of the auction. We know that this year's auction was the, the third year cycle of, of the IPL auction. So the next year it's a, a fresh auction, which, which traditionally uh, you can only retain a maximum number of five players at, at quite a high uh, retention Price. So some of these youngsters that have been picked up this time round may find themselves, along with 95% of the rest of the playing um, fraternity in the IPL, back in the auction again. In uh, specifically on the West Indies, they've just finished fifth uh, in the World Cup, which is uh, a little bit of a fall from their uh, exploits a couple of editions ago, but it's, it's quite creditable nevertheless in the field like this, which is so competitive. Guys like Hetmeyer, Kimo Paul, Alzari and Puran, those guys have come out of the under-19 setup in recent times. How do you see uh, this tournament having an impact on the Caribbean and the senior team specifically? I think we've seen one or two really good talents with the West Indies. Jaden Seals comes to mind immediately. Mackenzie with his 99 against New Zealand is another one who fashions himself after Chris Gale, the former West Indies captain, uh, who's made uh, a great living around the world in T20 leagues over the last few years. Um, there are a few more raw talents to go along with that, but it all comes down to how the system and the structure allows these guys or encourages them to 
to progress after this. Yes, we've seen Shimon Hetmeyer transfer to the international level almost about a year after, along with Alzari Joseph. And Shimon is still going through his growing pains, but is showing enough um, skill. So I'm very hopeful young guys like Leonardo Julian, Ashmi Ned will continue to develop. Naeem Young? Naeem Young as well, yeah. Although I still think that from the eye test, um, he still has a fair more work to do than those that I've just named. And that's just a personal preference. So there's a lot of encouragement there, and it's now up to the structure of West Indies cricket and, and maybe through the CPL in, in the case of Naeem Young to, to further that progress. Suresh, uh, this coming to you on a completely different note, uh, apart from the talent hunting. Uh, you are covering, let's not forget, it's an under-19 World Cup. All of these players are boys, even though they're at the world stage and put in the limelight in front of a global television audience. What's been uh, the most standout aspect for you? Because you've covered a number of teams. It's not just India that you've covered. You've covered a whole lot of teams throughout your stay in South Africa. What has been the biggest change in terms of you know, just observing and watching these games compared to you, how you would in an Indian setup or, you know, with a senior setup that you do back in India? See, what I think I've noticed uh, significantly is that every team, I've seen them focus more on their fielding and the training sessions more than their batting and bowling. And I think that's a sort of a reflection of uh, what can actually make you win games these days. A crunch run out, an important catch near the boundary. Uh, those sort of drills are seem to be you know, paramount in the, in the plans of the teams. And we've seen, I've seen that in every team, starting from Japan to India, nearly everyone, I've, I've noticed them do that more. So that's a sort of a change I've noticed, you know. Interesting one, uh, especially for uh, a coach like Tom, you know, uh, Tom, you go around the world and we see this making not just an incremental difference, it makes quite a huge Difference at crunch moments, especially uh, in 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 a shorter format version like uh, like T20s. Uh, quick one on uh, on like the whole point about under nineteen talents, like Ian mentioned already. Not all of them make it to the topmost level. There is this whole thing where uh, there's a school of thought which somebody like Rahul Dravid, who's an who's an under nineteen World Cup winning coach now, who makes an assessment that. Youngsters need to play and enjoy the game at this level, understand the basics rather than playing solely to win, which is quite an interesting point of view if you come to think of it. Uh, Tom, as a coach, uh, where do you where do you stand on a sentiment like that? I think uh, it doesn't matter what level uh, that you're playing the game. I think it's got to be enjoyed. Whether you're playing a test match, you know, with sixty thousand people watching you, or you're playing an under nineteen match um, in a World Cup uh, or a club match, I think. You know, it is absolutely paramount that you never lose the fun element of the game um, because I, I, I personally believe that fun element allows a player to express themselves fearlessly. We talk quite often and you hear quite often about, um, you know, players that play instinctive cricket, fearless cricket, um, and that's when they're at their best. And if you can create an environment where there is that, relaxed but professional environment, um, you're creating an environment where players uh, feel they can express themselves with that freedom. Uh, so fun to me, it doesn't matter what level you're playing, where you're playing it, if you don't have, uh, if you withdraw that fun element, um, you know, you, you've got to question why you're playing it, you know, period. 
Ian, let me just tweak that slightly for you. Uh, what's the biggest challenge these guys face once they move on to the higher level? Because uh, just to think of a couple of names uh, from the past, you, you in India, we think of somebody like Anonmukh Chand, who's not quite made it big at the highest level, even though he's been playing the IPL quite a bit. Uh, I'm thinking of a guy like Will Bosisto from Australia, who uh, who was quite successful back in the day. What's the biggest challenge these guys face while making that step up? That challenge probably will differ from nation to nation. Um, someone like a Charlesworth from England can go back to county cricket with his county to whom he's attached and have all the facilities at his disposal, for example. McGurk uh, for Australia is very, very talented. Um, so he can go back to maybe a strong state system or strong state system, depending on which way you view it. Uh, West Indian guys have more of a challenge in that structures are just sort of being refined in the Caribbean. And so that will be the big test of getting back into me, into a structure for all the reasons Tom talked about, uh, where you look after the person, you look after the technical aspects of the person's game, the professionalization of systems maybe in New Zealand are slightly different to other places. So getting back into maybe a franchise or a club system in the Caribbean, for example, where you have a coach who will push a player. Uh, you look at somebody like Jaden Seals. I think Jaden Seals is ready now to step up right now to senior men's cricket uh, in the regional scene. Is there the foresight to push a kid like him? So to me, the problems, not the problems, the challenges are myriad. The opportunities, though, are excellent, but it's all about attaching them to franchises or clubs that will give them that push. We shouldn't forget that uh, it's not just the test-playing nations or the full members who've been playing uh, at this Under-19 World Cup. Uh, Shresht, uh, you did quite a wonderful piece on uh, Japan and its cricket because Japan are part of this World Cup. It's their first time at the biggest stage. Uh, and they're looking towards this tournament in a completely different way compared to how one of the top sides would. Because for them, it's a learning curve. They're like sponges absorbing every moment of the experience. What's the sense you've got from seeing teams like a Japan or a Nigeria play at this World Cup? Because they are not what we would call a traditional cricketing powerhouse or nation. Well, you know, today Nigeria and Japan played a game and uh, for the 15th and 16th positions. And... We, I thought it would be a much more closer contest because, you know, both teams were playing uh, quite senior opponents previously. But after seeing today's game, I think Nigeria has a more brighter future, in fact. Uh, those guys are natural, naturally very athletic. And, um, you know, they have their uh, temperament in the right place and they, they focus on their techniques a lot. And uh, they do not get blown away by the emotion. That's what I sort of realized. So I feel Nigeria has the potential to go really far. Um, these bunch, many of these guys already play for the senior team. And when the qualification pathways for the senior senior World Cups come forward, uh, at least for the T20 edition, I think you'll see Nigeria do better. The thing with Japan is we know the sort of unusual circumstances they qualified in. But apart from that, uh, I think uh, it's going to be important to see what they do after this tournament ends. Because, uh, you know, the group they came through against Papua New Guinea, Samoa, Vanuatu, uh, those are actually very, very good teams in this level. And um, it's, it's going to be important to see whether they lose the motivation, the, the 
cricket association loses the motivation or not to push these guys forward uh one would hope that it's just not a a one off where they ride the wave for 6 months but then they forget about it uh moving on so that will be the challenge for japan i think um you know that the technically they are focused on the right things like trying to bowl in stump to stump or leaving the good balls if they can out of the uh, by shouldering their arms but we can see the difference in the play when they are facing a bowler who's trying to take their wicket and not just bowling so i feel japan has a bit more longer to uh, a, a longer road but uh, watch out for nigeria i honestly seriously feel, be, believe in that interesting uh, it it seems an appropriate time to invoke hd uh, akamins comments on uh, japan because they they've made like they had a penchant of uh, adopting sports that are not native to their nation rugby being a good example they toured south africa for the world cup in 1995 20 years later they beat the springboks uh, at the same world cup so nothing's ruled out but like stress says uh, quite interesting to see where they headed uh, bish uh, the the one thing that uh, you do as a broadcaster is you cover a lot more events and events that are not in the limelight sometimes uh, i the, my mind goes back to the uh, world t20 qualifier that you covered recently the question that i had was for the smaller teams the teams that are adopting cricket and coming to the game newly is the 50 over game the ideal way to induct them uh, into a level like this or do you prefer even at the under 19 level a t20 world cup might probably make a lot more sense for a side like japan um for me at this level i'm happy with 50 over cricket i'd be even happy if there was a way to have a longer form cricket at this age level and and the reason i'm saying that is Tom and I and a few of the other commentators have had the discussion around as we stand today as this podcast has been done there were five centuries coming into this day's play that's not a lot for the number of matches yeah. that have been played in this tournament over the last world cup the entirety of the last one in 2018 there were 2500s um those 500s have been scored against Japan Nigeria and Canada who are the least experienced of all the teams here i would think so the way that i see it and tom has a view as well we need to continue teaching our young batsmen how to to bat for longer periods of time how to understand the nuances of a batting innings and i don't think t20 prepares them for that i think if they learn to bat for lengthier periods and and have the technical aspects drilled into them a little bit better i think their transferable skills back to the shorter format so if you're talking about introduction of new nations t20 is the way but at under 19 level i prefer to stick maybe i'm a traditionalist with the field of cricket yeah look i i totally um echo that sentiment to me one of the things that uh, that's been a stand out in this tournament has been yes there's been some eye catching talent but um that eye catching talent has been found wanting in certain situations whether they be game scenarios or whether they be a little technical examination because the surface is turning or swinging or seeming uh, those batsmen have lacked the ability to to adapt uh, to to those situations and understand how the game is played and understand that you know it's a longer journey than what they anticipate mm-hmm. their 
their the application and patience around um, the whole game and and batsmanship is is a learned skill. And if you're not providing that environment to learn that skill, um, you're going to be found wanting all the time. Yes, you'll play some sparkling innings of 20 and 30 and people will talk about you as a talented player, but the quicker that an under-19 cricketer and a, a cricketer in their early 20s can lose the tag as he's a talented player mm-hmm. to he's a good player and then hopefully then graduate to then he's a great player and then you get the rare legend um, like your Laras and your Tamdulkas and your Pontings. The, the sooner they can shake that talent tag, the better it becomes. I'm just curious to ask both these gentlemen here uh, whether New Zealand is a was a much more conducive place to bat and whether South Africa actually poses more challenges to batsmen in that sense. For me, having watched the New Zealand World Cup as well as Tom, um, yes, I might say conditions, batting conditions were maybe a lot more straightforward. But you're still talking about the disparity of 25 to 5. And I know this tournament isn't finished yet. So with the experience that we have garnered over playing and over watching, numbers are one thing, but the eye test is a different is another thing that you can add to it as well. And still I think you should be further on. So that's a challenge for me for these young players. If I go back to Shubman Gill, could be sure. The guys from the last World Cup, they came into the system of the World Cup in 2018 with first-class hundreds under their belt. So it tells you something about what long-form cricket did for them and understanding what Thomas talked about with batsmanship. They had that advantage. There are guys here in Pakistan, team, Rohail and Haider, who have come in with first-class hundreds. So I'm waiting to see how they go. So I think, yes, the conditions may have spun a little bit more, but still, it needs to be more than five, and five against Strong three up. of the, the, the nations that are very new to development at this level. Uh, the, the last question that I had to you before we, we kind of head to the, the predictions aspect of it uh, is about uh, Australia. Uh, now, Australia have been a fairly successful team at this level over the years. Uh, they won World Cups in the past. Uh, how do you rate them this time? Because they had a fairly, uh, you know, wonderful coaching lineup with Chris Rogers and Ryan Harris. Uh, there are a couple of guys who played the BBL and who played Shield cricket. Uh, how do you assess their performance? Because they skipped the World Cup in 2016, but otherwise they haven't won it since 2010, right? So how do you assess them and their progress to the quarterfinal uh, stage so far? Uh, I think uh, I think they would be disappointed with their. Uh, performance today. Um, you know, let's face it, they were very lucky to get over the line against England and, and get to the position to play uh, India to progress further in the tournament. Um, so, uh, you know, the, when, I've, when I've seen the Australian performances, I've seen a very inconsistent and a performance both with bat and ball that reflects a bit like what we're talking about with the, the lack of awareness around um, the game of cricket. Um, this team, again, I, I think Australia over the last two years has only played uh, seven uh, matches as a as a unit. So I think that's a disadvantage as well. But it's, I'm not using as is it 
as an excuse. But, um, you know, I, I think, again, there's been flashes of, of uh, eye-catching brilliance with this side. Um, but equally, uh, there's been a measure of uh, real um, poor uh, understanding of match situations and, and, and being able to take control of games and get uh, get the side into a, a stronger position or a winning position. Um, but that's I think that goes across the board uh, with all the teams. But Australia, that's how I assess their performances. Yes, they've got a couple of guys that have, have um, just started their first-class career and played one Sheffield Shield match. But to me, that again just highlights that there's talent. Um, I, I, I look forward to seeing that talent realised. Right. Uh, Ian uh, spoke about the eye test, which is basically all their experience of watching players and what stands out more than the numbers uh, which most of us see on our scoreboards and our... Uh, and, and, and on our statistics tools, uh, Ian and Tom uh, giving you the uh, unenviable task of picking uh, three talents from across all teams in the tournament. Mind you, there have been uh, there have been sixteen teams in the tournament. Three talents you think would make it big at the senior level. We're thinking of uh, of the Virat Kohlis and the Josh Hazelwoods of the future. Uh, so over to you, Tom. Uh, we can start with you. I'd pick the opener from India, Jaswal. I, I, I really like the look of him. I just think he's a very organised cricketer technically and also I think he understands, um, you know, you know the, the, the nuances of the game and how, you know, how to adapt his game accordingly. And I think that's reflected by how he's he's held himself back to a certain degree because he came here with a reputation of, you know, someone that was... Um, you know, go, going to go to run a ball, but he has been restricted, and he's been prepared to be restricted to, to uh, you know, to get the runs that that are required. Um, another one which I'll pinch off, Bish, is uh, Seals, Jaden Seals from the West Indies. Um, really exciting to watch him bowl. Um, got uh, some terrific skill um, already to his uh, armoury. Um, and it's got genuine pace for a for an under nineteen kid, but he gathers pace off the wicket, which I like about him. Which tells me he's got a very good wrist. He snaps through his wrist, which uh, a bit like a, a Pat Cummins does, very very effectively. So they're the type of bowlers that bother good batsmen because they gather pace off the wicket and climb into the bat. So he's definitely one to to look out for. And I'll I'll steer away from Australia. Um, and I'll go English. And the other one is uh, Ben Charlesworth, the tall left-hander from Gloucester. Uh, another opening bat. To me, he looked ready to play first-class cricket and he looked like he'd been playing it for two years. Um, I've, I'd be surprised if he's not playing at the highest level um, like those other uh, two that I mentioned, you know, within a short period of time. The three that... That we each pick. It's important to stress that they are just three out of a whole number of kids that could go on and have successful careers, right? So um, I will go Australian, and I will say McGirt, Fraser McGirt. Um, he hasn't had a great tournament in terms of numbers, but every time he's walked out to bat, you can see a kid who has talent beyond many of his contemporaries. So once he gets into the right system, he has all the strokes. Um, 
he has a good back foot game, a good front foot game. So I'm looking to see how he develops from Australia's point of view. That's uh, number one. Gerald Kutsia from South Africa. I have to stick with fast bowling. I really think, even from the 2018 World Cup, that he's a standout performer, that he will play international cricket uh, at some point for South Africa. If he stays there, and I hope he, st- he does stay with South Africa. And then I go to Pakistan. Um, Haider, to me, he played some cover drives yesterday that reminded me of Babarazan, uh, simply because of the balance in his shots. Um, he seems to have a good temperament as well. And unfortunately, he got run out. But I'm really looking forward to see how he progresses. And again, just three of many that we can name in this tournament. And I think those guys should, with the right hand, go on to have good international careers. Excellent. Uh, thanks, Tom and Bishop. So, listener, just in case you missed it, uh, these are the names that they've picked. Uh, Yashasvi Jaiswal, uh, who already plays for Mumbai uh, on the Indian circuit. Uh, he's been picked up in the IPL. He's an opening batsman. Uh, uh, Jaden Seals, uh, whom Tom has picked, one of the most exciting talents from the Caribbean, uh, who could go on to have a senior uh, cap very soon. There's Ben Charlesworth from England. Uh, and uh, Ian Spicks, of course, are uh, Jake Fraser McGurk, uh, who's also played uh, Sheffield Shield cricket in Australia and has, uh, I think, a BBL contract as well. Uh, this Gerald Kodzia from South Africa, and finally Heather Ali, uh, whom Bishop says uh, reminds him of Barbara Azam, which is quite a uh, quite a wonderful compliment to pay for somebody uh, so young. Uh, Shresht, uh, closing thoughts on of the World Cup because it's coming to an end. There are uh, two big semi-finals in the offing. There is, uh, of course, the India-Pakistan game, and of course, New Zealand face uh, Bangladesh couple of questions to you, uh, one of them being, what's been your standout or favourite moment from the World Cup? What's the one memory that you will recall 20 years down the line if somebody asks you about your first World Cup? And uh, secondly, your prediction uh, for the tournament going from here? Well, you know, one thing I would love to, uh, which I loved is the spirit in which the game is played. You know, it's a contentious word, spirit. But uh, we saw the example of New Zealand and West Indies. Um, that's the way the guys carried Mackenzie out, they didn't need to. It was a knockout game, you know. They could have just had their game face on and yet they did it. I know it's New Zealand, but I feel an, another team would have done the same thing as well. Another standout moment, uh, I would say, is is the end of the India-Japan game, okay? It was very wonderful to see the way uh, the Indians were more than happy to talk to the Japanese players about technique and stuff like that. And it, the the team photo, the group photo they had together was, was actually quite poignant. Uh, one player who I want to mention, who I think has been missed or under the radar, is uh, is South Africa captain Bryce Parsons. Uh, he's a left arm spinner. Uh, apart from that, he's uh, he bats at number three and four or three or four, and he had the most runs coming into the quarterfinals. Uh, South Africa got knocked out, but he was basically the guy who carried them single handedly through to the quarterfinals. Okay, bunch of eighties, uh, another third eighty as well, but it wasn't the high score. But that guy, I think, has the potential to be quite good. As Ian said, hopefully he stays uh, for South Africa, with South Africa for a long time. The other interesting thing is Afghanistan spinners were both good. Although Kafari, uh, he impressed a lot against South Africa, but not as much moving forward. 
Noor, he's the I think could be the youngest guy even playing in this tournament, and that that guy is really uh, someone to look out forward to. The, the 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 dilemma for Afghanistan is with Mujib and Rashid playing. When will these guys ever play for Afghanistan? We've seen Kais Ahmed, who's popular all around the world, Zahir Khan, Zahir Khan. The, yeah, who's popular all around the world, but. But it's going to be very hard for them to make it into the Afghanistan team. So they'll be popular all around the world, but you might not see them in national colors for a while. Well, uh, predictions, uh, you know, India are definitely favorites, but uh, watch out for Bangladesh. Honestly, I predict an India versus Bangladesh final. And I feel that Bangladesh have not had a single televised game till the quarter final. And so people are underestimating how how good they've been in this tournament Uh uh, barring a, a wobble against Pakistan, and they have the they have the perfect sort of bowling combination to trouble a team like India. And uh, if that is the final, um, I think it will be a very good contest. It will be quite tasty indeed. Uh, uh, thanks, uh, Ian and Tom, for your time. Uh, I hope we haven't exceeded it by too much. Thank you very much. Thank you. No problems. Thank you, and uh, thanks, Rest uh, listener. You've got uh, quite a few few names uh, to watch out for in the future but remember that uh, Shresh himself is not too much older than the under 19 kids playing at the World Cup yep not too old but I'm not revealing how how much <laughs> right thanks Shresh and uh, thanks of course to you listener as always for listening to another episode of the Stump Mike podcast uh, remember to leave us a rating on iTunes it has helped more and more listeners find the podcast and we've got quite a few new listeners thanks to that uh, until next time then from all of us at ESPN Cricket Info and the crew at Positive Stroom it's uh, goodbye goodbye